Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Becoming Fearless with Lex. Now, I know things have been a little crazy. 2020 has thrown so many curveballs at all of us, us included. Um, I started this podcast with so much hope and ambition, and I had so many things just written down that I was going to be doing and so many plans. And then guess what? My dog got sick life happens and it has now been like three months since I have ever posted a podcast episode. But again, I am just being extremely real with you guys. Life happens and as disappointed that I was that my podcast that I just started had to take a back burner, it is what was best for me and best for my mental health. So with that being said, I have an amazing episode for you guys today. So I wanted to come back with a strong, good episode where you didn't just hear me talking. So I interviewed my friend Audra. She is into finance and she gave some amazing tips. Before starting the podcast, I just want it to be known that anything that Audra says today is not affiliated with the company she works for. This is Audra's advice and from her personal experience. Um, Audra is amazing and you will not want to miss the freebie at the end. So stay tuned for everything. This is such an amazing podcast, especially it's amazing for everybody, but especially for those in their early to mid 20s that just need help with a budget, need help with credit card debt, student loans, establishing credit, you know, increasing credit score, all of those things. Um, I recorded this episode, honestly, two months ago. And again, life happens. So it's been taking me a little bit to get everything edited and squared away. But in those two months, I have actually taken so much of the advice that Audra has given and applied it to my own life um, through my budget. And just with moving forward, um, we're looking to eventually buy a house and kind of settle down and be out of the city. So everything that she provided knowledge-wise has been amazing. And I am super, super thankful for my friend Audra. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Audra. I will note that we had to FaceTime to get this conversation, and so the audio is a little bit fuzzy. You can still completely understand us, but if you hear some fuzziness, that is what it is. Again, thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode of Becoming Fearless with Lex. Let's get our finances in check, and here is everything Audra has to say about how to do so. You are listening to another episode of Becoming Fearless with Lex, episode number four. All right, so starting off, um, just tell me a little bit about you, why you're passionate in finance, um, what you currently do, and just a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, for everyone on the podcast who doesn't know me, uh, my name is Audra Ames. I love uh, Audra Dial before I got married. Um, I grew up in Leroy, Illinois. Um, very humble beginnings. Parents, we, we weren't poor by any means, but definitely just got by. My parents made sure I always had money for anything I needed for any experience that I wanted to do. Um, but I learned very on in life that saving was very important. So I think I probably saved every allowance check I ever got. I just saved a savings account. Um, my first job ever was detasseling. So I very quickly learned the value of a dollar. Um, I'm sure, Lexi, you were the same. I wanted a pair of Miss Me jeans, and I was my mom and dad were back. And, and so they were like, okay, well, if you want them, you gotta, you got to work for them. And so I spent a third of my three-week detasseling paycheck on a pair of jeans, and I was like, okay, that's very pointless. Like, what am I doing in my life? Um, but I, I think I knew for a 
probably senior year of high school, I wanted to do financial planning. Um, my accounting teacher in high school actually provided me the opportunity to do a job shadow with various different business professionals. Um, and we met with an accountant who then it kind of in a roundabout way led me to a financial planner, um, talked to him, and pretty much ever since then I was like, I want to do financial planning. Um, and so the reason for that is I think there are a lot of people, regardless of their wealth, they can be low, middle income, um, high income people. Um, there are a lot of people that their quality of life depends on their financial their financial life. Um, so, you know, I think money is obviously not everything, but it also can really increase your quality of life and your ability to provide for your kids, um, especially single moms. Um, so I, I really knew very on that I just wanted to help people get their, their financial lives in check. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. And I personally never detasseled, but I give props to every single person that ever had even the slightest idea of wanting to detassel because I could, I don't know if I could have ever done that, uh, especially not now. I don't know if I could do that. Oh, I couldn't do it now either. But no, that's too funny. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with like Illinois and small towns, Leroy and Downs where I'm from, very close. So we are actually connected just through mutual friends and going to similar schools. So that's how I know her. Um, and uh, this isn't one of the questions that someone asked, but what's like a day in the life look like with your job? I know now you're probably working from home, but just a typical day, what do you deal with? Um, and what does that look like? Yep. So um, even when I was not a certified financial planner, which is the designation I have, um, even when I started um, my full-time job about two years ago, my day-to-day -day is, is pretty much the same. Um, so I work at a fee-only financial planning firm based out of Indianapolis, um, which is a little bit different than your Morgan Stanley or your Edward Jones. Um, but I won't go into the, the details of that um, right now. But my day-to-day -day, um, honestly varies. So there are some days that I have client meetings. Um, so I'll just need to get up, obviously get ready to get on a video call um, and prepare for that. Um, and then most of my days, though, I'm either on the phone with clients, uh, preparing for meetings, so making sure that we've got all the information we need to prepare the meeting packet, um, doing follow-up after meetings. So if you know we told a client we were going to do something, making sure we get that done, checking in with them if they had an item that they were wanting to do. Um, but the to kind of explain why I do that, we meet with all of our clients every quarter, so every three months. Um, so each advisor at Vallejo only has about 40 to 50 clients, um, which means that we do meet with them um, very often. We're in contact with them a lot, which is a little bit different than your Morgan Stanley um, or Edward Jones, where they don't really have a client limit. Um, so they may or may not be contacting their clients um, on a quarterly or an annual basis. Um, so yeah, every once in a while, um, now that I'm down here in Mississippi working from home, um, I've been trying to get coffee with other professionals in the area. So um, estate attorneys, accountants, um, kind of the, the who's who of the area, just to kind of get to know them and um, explain who I am. But yeah, every every day is different. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot more personal than like a bigger corporation, which I think personally for me, I would enjoy that over just being a, another name. So I like that. Um, so going into the, the questions that uh, certain followers have asked. So the first one, um, which I think a lot of people are interested in is why is it important to save now for the future? Um, and I even go further into this. Why is it important to save other than if you have already like a 401k through work? Why is it important to have like a personal savings for the future? 
Yeah, so I think let's start with the outside of your retirement plan. Let's start with the savings account slash emergency fund. Um, so it's very important for anybody, regardless of your income level, to have some sort of savings account um, built up. So I personally um, have a few savings accounts. I have one savings account for specific items or vacations I might want to save for. Um, so if I, like when I bought my new um, Nikon camera, that was in this savings, special savings account where I could save up for that every month outside of my normal um, emergency fund. Um, and then the emergency fund is, is kind of what it sounds like. It's for anything that could be an emergency. So medical, um, your car breaks down, um, your dog has to go to the emergency vet somewhere. To like, yes. <laughs> The, the levels you want to you want to shoot for there. Um, if you have two incomes in your household, so you and Riley, um, you have two incomes for your household. So you'd want to have about three to four months of expenses built up there. Um, then you can always round up as well. Again, for any extraordinary expenses you might want to have money for. Um, and then if you um, are living on your own, you're single, you want to have about six months of expenses um, built up in your savings account. The reason that's more is because in a two person household, the chances of both people losing their income at the same time um, is pretty small, the chances of that happening. Um, but for someone that's single, that you know, you won't you only have your one income. Um, so you'll just want to keep like rent, utilities, anything that's a necessity, gas, food that you need money for, that's, that's what you want to target. Um, so then your retirement savings, um, the reason it's really important to start now is because of um, compound interest. So pretty much the simplest way to think about that is, you know, you invest $100 now, you never touch it. It grows by, you know, an average of 5% every year. When the first year it grows 5%, then the 5% grows on the additional 5% that you grew that year. So it just increases um, very, very quickly. Um, I think I had, yeah, so here we go. So the compound interest, here's an example that I have. Um, so if we assume an average of 7% annual over time, um, let's pick Susan first. So Susan invests $5,000 a year between the ages of 25 and 35. So in total, she invests $50,000. If she does not invest after those 10 years, her money will still grow to $602,000 by the time she's 65. Let's take Bill, for example. Bill decides he wants to spend his 20s, um, and, you know, early to mid-30s, you know, going on vacations, buying new cars, doesn't really want to save money. So he starts saving $5,000 a year between the ages of 35 and 65. Um, so in total, he ends up investing $150,000, um, but by age 65, his total is $540,000. So he invests for 30 years. Susan only invests for 10, and she ends up having approximately $62,000 more in her account by age 65. That's insane. Like, yeah. I, I, you know that, like, I mean, thinking about it, money, interest, whatever, but seeing that number, like, on paper is just so crazy to think about, and, I mean, that should motivate someone, in my opinion, but, yeah, yeah. that's, that's crazy. Yeah, so, now, let's take Chris. So, he's going to start investing at age 25, uh, but then he's going to go to age 65, similar to Bill in the last, um, the last example. Um, so he's going to invest again the same $5,000 a year, assume that this is in a retirement account. Um, so he'll invest total $200,000, but by age 65, his total is $1.1 million. Um, so what we want to take from that is even if you start at 23, 24, 25, um, if you can invest $5,000 a year 
which is approximately $240 a month or so. If you can set aside $240 a month, you don't touch it your entire life, you're going to at least have a minimum of $1.1 million. That's assuming you never increase your deferral, you never increase that monthly total. Um, that's a lot of money. And, you know, per month, if you can afford that $240 or um, however much, then you're going to end up having a lot by the time you're, you're reaching retirement. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, I think seeing that on paper, even just hearing those numbers sounds a lot better because, I mean, it's so easy to just throw away the $240 or think like, oh, I only need to save $100 or $200. But if you could just make that push to the $240, that's, that's insane. Yeah, definitely a lot. It's a little 400 bucks, but $240 if you have two people. Yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, so you said, you know, the 5000 per year for X amount of years. So one of my followers asked how much you should be saving. So you say 5000 a year, but if if you don't have the extra 400 let's say you're single, you don't have the extra 400 what is a good percentage of your income, either weekly, biweekly, monthly, to base that off of, just so that you are still getting some in your savings, but you might not be able to afford that full amount? Yeah, so if, if we take $5,000, um, that, that can be a lot of money, especially if you're living um, by yourself, you have a single income. Um, $400 a month on as one person could be a lot of money. Um, so typically what you want to shoot for is about 20% of your um, income, including either a 401k deferral, which is pre-tax, um, and then also your after-tax money, um, tentatively 20%. Um, so this kind of leads into the budgeting question, um, which we can get to in a minute. Right. Um, but when you're looking at a budget, you want to spend about 50% um, of your take-home paycheck on your needs. So again, think rent, utilities, um, gas, all that sort of stuff. Um, then about 30% of that is going to be for once. So you're shopping, dining out, um, any sort of hobby that you have. Um, and then the 20% you want to you want to do for savings. Um when you think of savings, though, this can also be for debt pay down. So if you have student loans, um, I would also include this in, in the savings. Um, same with maybe, I wouldn't say a mortgage because you have to pay the mortgage and rent to live. Um, but anything that pays down debt, so your credit card payment pay down, um, your student loans, those are going to be in your savings. Because um, I kind of group savings and then your financial future in that 20% as, as one item. Okay. And the reason that I say that is because if you have any sort of credit card debt, you're paying a lot of interest on that debt. Yeah. Um, it's de definitely going to assist your financial future to get that paid down. Um, and that's going to benefit you more paying that down versus putting it in a savings account. Yeah, I, I agree. I will never forget in school, I was never taught anything about credit cards. And my parents told me that I should get one to build my credit. But I got my first statement, I think I spent like $100. And I needed to spend like, I needed to pay like $20 off for my first month. So I got like a bill in the mail. I was like, you owe $20. So I only paid $20 and then my credit card payment went up even higher. And I was like, mom, why did this just happen? I don't understand. And she's like, credit card interest is extremely high. And to that day, I have never gone a month without paying my credit card off because it's so insane just how much people do end up paying in just interest alone. Like that doesn't even apply towards their overall payment. Yeah, so um, I know there was a question as well on how to pay off credit card debt um, and then kind of how to build your credit. So um, in my mind, those kind of all go together. So yeah. when you think of building up your credit, um, what I did to build up mine, and again, if, if you're not, I, I do want to preface this by saying, and I should have said this at the beginning, 
um, everything that I'm saying, first of all, is not related to my company. Um, and then secondly, um, don't take what I'm saying and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so far behind compared to Audra. I've been doing finance since I was like 18 years old. So <laughs> do not compare. There are a lot of people that figure this out way later in life or early in life. So uh, don't feel bad. Everyone um, starts somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's start with building credit. So uh -huh. the best and semi-easiest way to build up credit in my mind is by getting a credit card and paying it off every month. Um, so if we go back to what I was saying with what I did, I got a credit card at age 18 when I got my first part-time job, um, and I only charged gas to that credit card. Um, the reason for that is the specific card I got, I believe it was the Discover It student credit card, um, it gave me cash back on gas, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be driving to and from college. If I just charge gas on this credit card, um, you can easily pay that down at the end of every month. Um, and when you're charging on a credit card, the main thing to think about is, do I have money in my checking account for this expense? If you don't have money in your checking account, do not charge it. That's a very, very easy way to get into the habit of your credit cards alone. Yes. <laughs> it is, but you have to remember, you have to pay it back. So if you get into the habit of saying, oh, I really want to go on this shopping trip and spend $200, even though I only have 50, you're never going to get out of that habit. It's very, very hard to get out of that habit. Um, so always think to yourself, okay, do I have money in my checking account for it? No, don't spend it. Um, the second thing um, that I would say about building up credit, um, if you plan on buying a house, um, you can do that with no credit. Um, the only thing is your interest rate is going to be a little bit higher than someone who's had a credit built up prior. Um, so that's really not going to be your easiest way to start building credit because you kind of need credit um, to buy a house. But renting, um, making payments on time, um, getting a credit card, making the payments at the end of every month, um, those are going to be things that really help um, get your credit up. Yeah, I think the, the biggest takeaway from that is only charging what you currently have because, I mean, it's uh, it's so easy to just say, I want this, I'll pay it off later, and then it doesn't get paid off. So definitely agree with that. Um, so this was my personal question because I need all the help in the world with this. How do you, or do you use a budget app, um, a planner? What do you use? I used to use the Every Dollar app. Um, loved it. Thought it was super easy to use. The only thing is, I personally did not want to go through after every single transaction. And I know you can set it up through your bank, but I didn't want to pay for an app to keep my budget in line. And so, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, so I think there are two options. You can use an app or you can use a spreadsheet. Um, so I use the spreadsheet because I tried to use the app. Um, the app is great if you're someone who will go in every week, every two weeks, and categorize your expenses. Regardless of what app you get, you're going to have to go in there and make sure that the expenses were categorized how you want them to. Um, personally, it was kind of like a out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing for me. So I knew I had all my accounts connected to um, to an app, but then I never went in there. And so then when I did, I was like, this is way too many transactions. <laughs> um, so I personally use the Excel spreadsheet. Um, the Mint app, though, is the app that I would recommend. 
Um, so the Intuit Mint app uses the same company that TurboTax uses. It owns um, Intuit owns both. Um, so I, I like that app the best because I know that my information and everyone that I recommend their information is secure. Um, and that one, it's free to connect any of your bank accounts. So some of our clients use it as kind of their own like net worth statement tracking. Um, so you can link any investment accounts, any 401k accounts, savings accounts, checking accounts. Um, you can add your house to have the value listed on there, um, your cars, your car loans. Um, I mean, you can honestly add anything to that app. Um, you have to go in every once in a while, make sure nothing's disconnected. Um, but the great thing that you can do on that app is when you first go in, you can create your own budget. So you can say, oh. I'm going to have an income. Um, I want to do this for my hair care every month. I want to do this for the dog every month. Like you can literally add in whatever expenses you want. Um, and then it does a ton of graphs for you. So it'll say, Hey, you went over this month by this much on this category, uh, for this much, you know, here's your pie chart. Um, so that app is, is the one that I would recommend. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the app I did, it was kind of like what you said. It was out of sight, out of mind, like the idea of it was awesome. I loved that it kept track of everything for me. I just had to input the numbers, but you know, after a couple weeks, it's like you forget to go and then you're like, holy crap, I have two weeks of expenses and you have to count everything. So it takes forever. So I definitely want to look into the Mint app, but I also want to look into the spreadsheet. Um, I'm kind of thinking, I'm putting you on the spot here, but I was kind of thinking um, maybe you and I could create like a Google Sheet, just like a, a mock Google Sheet, and then people could use it and copy it for themselves. Um, it doesn't have to be today, obviously, but I mean, personally, I kind of want to use a spreadsheet as well. So I think that it'd be cool because if I didn't have a template myself, I probably wouldn't use it. So, um, yeah, so one of, um, our mutual friends reached out to me for the spreadsheet version herself. Um, so I created my own 2021 template already, oh. um, but I need to do honestly is just change a few different things. That way it's easy for people to fill out and do on their own and make sure all of the tabs um, flow how I want them to flow. Um, but it, I mean, I would say in the next two weeks, I can definitely have that on Google sheets and then, um, you can link that in the, in the podcast. Yeah, that would be awesome. So let's, yeah, just let me know when that's done. No rush. Um, I plan on making a blog post about this so I can just add that link in there. No yeah, worries. All right. And then we talked about budgeting apps, what to use, spreadsheets, um, stuff like that. So how do you personally create a budget? Um, and what, what do you do? Is it like percentages of income? Do you kind of just throw around some numbers based on your bills? What, what do you do? Yeah. So I would say it, it can be very daunting at first because if you've never created a budget before, it can feel very restricting. Um, and that's what I get from a lot of people that I, that I help with this. They're like, but I feel like a budget is just going to be very restricting and telling me that I can only spend this much money and what if I go over and, um, so the first thing that we need to, to talk about with budgets is it's always going to change. It's always going to be a fluid changing document. Um, it's more so an outline and not a box. So okay. you're not going to be restricted in this box. It's just kind of an outline for where you want to stay. Um, so like I, like I mentioned earlier, you're, I use the 50, 30, 20 budget. I think it fits, um, for everyone, regardless of their income. Um, and it, and it also allows you the freedom to categorize some things and the needs and wants um, based on your own personal situation. That's going to work best for you. Um, so, again, you're going to do 50% needs. So that's your groceries, housing, utilities, um, insurance, car payment, um, all those items. 
30% to your wants, so shopping, dining out, hobbies, um, buying a gift for someone, those sorts of items, and then 20% to savings um, or your financial future. So um, a after-tax retirement plan, um, your savings account, paying off credit card debt, student loan debt, um, those sorts of items there. So once you have kind of the 50, 30, 20, what you're going to want to do um, is I recommend looking through your last three to six months of expenses in your checking and savings accounts. So what this is going to do is you're going to be able to start averaging your expenses. So you'll be able to say, hey, in, um, let's say in August, I spent $100 on gas. In September, I spent $150. In October, now I spent $200. You're probably going to want to average $150 um, for that. Again, the longer you go back, the better your average is going to be. Um, but that's what I recommend. So same with eating out. You know, there might be a month where you had a lot of weddings or you had a lot of birthdays or you had a lot of travel. Those months will have higher expenses for those items. Um, but if you do it over a three to six months time frame, you're going to have um, a fairly good average of what those numbers will be. Um, so once you get those averages, that's your starting point. Um, so when you have your starting point again, this is going to change. So say you are averaging $500 on shopping per month, but you realize this is over your once category. You're over in your once category by like $200 um, or $300, so you need to reduce your shopping to $200. The chances of you doing that the first month are very slim. Yeah. Because if this is a habit that you've been doing for the last you know six to 12 months and you've been spending this much money on shopping every month, it's gonna be really hard to reduce that by you know two thirds in, in the first month. Right. Um, but what I say is once you get your your beginning expenses um, and income targets, if you notice that you're off, what you'll want to do is start adjusting it by very minimal amounts at first. So my example would be, you know, if you have $500 on shopping, it needs to be $200. Start by reducing it by about $50 per month. Um, that's maybe one less shirt or one less pair of jeans or one less purse or, you know, something like that. If you reduce it by $50 a month the first month, it's not going to seem like that much money. Do it again the next month. Um, over time, you'll eventually get to your targets. Um, so that's what I would say. Same thing with eating out. You know, if you realize that you're eating, you know, maybe two more meals out than you need to a month, start by maybe going to a cheaper restaurant for the first one, then reducing one meal, that sort of thing, um, until you get to your targets. So, you know, if you create your budget and you realize you're completely off what you should be, no worries. Just kind of start reducing very minimally until you, until you get to that point. Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome because yeah, I was gonna say before you talked about cutting back that cutting back that much is probably going to be very difficult for some people. Some people it might not be if they set the goal they want to hit it, but I think cutting back fifty dollars or a cheaper meal or just one less meal, I think that's a a good start, um, and it's probably gonna help them in the long run, anyways. So that is awesome. Um, and then with that, um, I also see here that um, people are wondering if you need to have money already saved up in order to create the budget. Um, and so what, what do you have to say about like already having the money available? No, I would say you don't need to have any money saved up yet. Um, and the reason I say that, so say um, you, you have like maybe $200 in your emergency fund and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so behind. I need to have a few thousand dollars in there. Um, again, this is where I would say, let's take the shopping example again. Um, maybe that $300 you're over in shopping needs to go to your savings account. So again, that's going to be as you reduce your $50 per month, transfer that to your savings account um, instead of spending it. Um, so again, what I would say with the having money saved up, 
when you think of your budget, think of every dollar has a purpose. So whether that dollar is spent for rent, utilities, insurance, savings, um, every dollar needs to go somewhere. So what I would say, um, you know, just start wherever you are now. So whether you don't have money saved up, whether you're spending, you know, whether you have credit card debt, whether you, you know, wherever, you just have to start where you are. And then if you know that you need to get somewhere, you just got to get there slowly. Well, yeah, and I think it goes back to when we were saying, you know, everyone starts somewhere, you know, I personally don't have credit card debt, but I have a car payment and some people don't have a car payment that they have to focus on, but they have credit cards, you know, so I think that it definitely just depends on the person um, and you kind of just have to go based on you. So um, that's definitely something to keep in mind. And even if you feel behind, you can start anywhere, 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 anywhere. Um, so with that being said, credit card debt is a huge thing that people focused on. Um, so with having credit card debt, how do, how do you suggest paying off credit card debt? What is the easiest way? And I, I know it's not easy, but what's like the most recommended way? Yeah. So, um, I, I do know that there are family friends that I've known that have had multiple credit cards at the same time with debt on them. Um, I guess the first thing that I that I want to talk about in regards to credit card debt is how interest is charged. So you're not going to find this unless you look in the very fine print of your credit card statement or when you apply for the credit cards. Um, but almost every single credit card charges you interest on the average daily balance over that credit statement. So what this means is that, Lexi, let's say you had $1,000 on your credit card over the month. You decide you can only pay off 800 of it. So you're going to leave $200 on the credit card statement. It's not going to charge you interest on that $200 that you left. It's going to charge you interest on the $1,000 that was your average balance over the month. Interesting. Um, so that is why if you have, you know, even if you can pay off a little bit, almost every single time credit card companies are charging you interest regardless of how much you pay off or not. Um, they're going to charge you on the average that you've had on that credit card, um, which is why it's so important to pay it off. Um, at the end of every month, regardless of what your balance is. Um, the next thing that I would say, while I don't, if you, if you are someone who does not have a good credit card uh, utilization history, if you're someone that constantly charges, I don't know if I would recommend this option. Um, but if you're someone that knows that you'll be able to have kind of some self-control with the credit cards, um, what I would recommend, there are a few different credit card companies um, that will offer you 12 months of 0% interest. Um, what I would recommend, again, if, if you have the self-control, is to pay off your interest credit cards with a 0% credit card and then start paying off the debt as quick as you can on that 0% credit card in that 12 months. The key here, though, is you have to pay it off in that 12 months before the interest accrues. Um, and so the only benefit that you get out of this is your credit card debt is going to stop growing in interest. So it's still going to be on a credit card, but because it's the 0% um, over 12 months kind of entry level um, entry level credit that you get there, um, you're not going to have any interest. Um, so again, if you know that you're not going to be charging any more to credit cards um, and that you can pay it off in 12 months, then that's the option I would recommend. Um, the third option or the second option that I would recommend um, for credit card debt, first of all, you have to stop using your credit cards. Um, in order, <laughs> you have to stop using them, which I know can be super tough, um, but you've just got to stop doing it. Um, if for some reason you have a crazy expense that you don't have the money for, then you can use your credit card. Um, 
But again, that, that's kind of why we'd like to build up the emergency fund uh, so you don't have to use your credit card. Um, but in order to pay off your credit card um, or credit cards, you're going to want to use the snowball technique. Um, Dave Ramsey speaks about this. I actually think it's a, it's a really good um, thing to do. Um, so what you'll start by doing is paying off the highest interest credit card first. So you'll make the minimum payments on every other credit card if you have multiple and then pay as much as you can on the highest interest credit card per month. So this is going to require you to, again, kind of look at your budget and see where you can reduce money elsewhere. Um, and then you're just going to pack all of your extra expenses, not to your um, emergency fund, nothing. You're just going to pack it in to that credit card payment. Um, and so I know we might get questions on, okay, but you said we need to save for the emergency fund, so why would we put it all on the credit card? The reason for that is because if you put money in the savings account and you pay the minimum payment off a credit card, you're losing money. The simplest way I can say this is your savings account is not going to earn you any money. Meanwhile, a credit card's charging you money. Um, so the quickest way to get that paid off and be able to provide you with money to save is you just have to put all of your extra money um, to pay off those credit cards. Um, so just start paying off the highest interest one first, next highest, etc., um, until you can get those all paid off. That sounds awesome. Um, and then I did have a question on doing so. So when you have like a 0% interest credit card, but you don't pay off the statement all the way, you just kind of pay it as you can. And then by the end of the year, you pay it all off. Does that impact your credit score? Because I know if you don't pay your credit cards off, your credit score is impacted. So what then? Do you just kind of pick the worst of two evils? Do you wait to build your credit later? Yeah. You really do kind of have to pay take the, the lesser of two evils so what impacts your credit score is going to be your length of your credit history so how long have you had a credit card or a loan anything like that um, how many missed payments have you had um, or on-time payments so that's why I say at least just make the minimum payment on all the other ones that way you don't get deep for missing a payment um, and then your credit utilization so that's gonna be the um, how responsible are you with your credit so are you paying off the credit card every month um, are you paying the full car payment, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then the last two don't really matter that much to your credit score. So you've got credit inquiries. How many times has your credit been ran for people to give you a loan? Um, and how many credit accounts do you have? Um, so again, this the total accounts kind of goes into the credit cards, meaning if you have a ton of outstanding credit cards, um, that does not look good to your credit score. So if you can get one of those paid off as quickly as possible and then start reducing those accounts, um, um, that's, that's kind of your best option. Um, and then with the 0% credit card, um, if it has 0%, as long as you make at least that minimum payment um, and put as much to that as possible, you're not going to be deemed okay. um, credit. Um, and then what I did want to add to the last option, um, say for some reason your highest interest credit card um, is significantly less than another credit card. So say your highest interest credit card has $5,000 on it, but then your third highest interest credit card has twenty. Um, I would actually recommend in that instance where you have a significantly higher balance, paying that one off first um, because the interest that you're accruing on that higher balance is going to outweigh um, the smaller balance with the higher interest okay. rate. No, that's all really good information. Um, and then I did, I don't know if like there's a magic number for this, but so for me, I have two checking accounts. I have one that I put like all of my like blog and like side business earnings in and then I have my personal and then I have my own personal savings account, but I have three credit cards. Um, now, I use one for my blog stuff. I just charge it and then pay it off with my blog checking account, but 
is there like a magic number for credit cards if you're using them responsibly? Um, obviously, you don't want to just keep opening credit cards to charge them, but is there like a magic number? Is there a reason you might want to have one, two, three, four? Like what, what do you recommend for that? Because I know some people, they're like, I just need a credit card. I don't even have one. But once you have one. Yeah, um, I would say I. it really depends on the person and how well you utilize your credit um, would dictate how many you should have. Um, so, again, you have to take into account not only do your credit cards count for the total accounts that I mentioned uh, a minute ago, but so does, you know, do you have a mortgage, do you have a car loan, um, all of those things. Um, but that's that's really not as important to your credit score as in how do you utilize your credit, um, how many on-time payments do you have, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I would say I wouldn't worry quite as much about your total accounts, uh, but more so how are you using those. So making okay. sure that you're using them responsibly um, and um, – yeah, no, that's awesome. Thank you so much for all this information. I feel like I just have to go create my own budget now and get my life on track with my finances because definitely needed this little pep start to, uh, <laughs> to get that done. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I have, I know that so many people are interested in this. I posted like, would you guys be interested? And I think like 50 people said yes, which is um, I think pretty good. So I'm really excited to get this started um, and just see what people have to say. And then if they have any follow-up questions, we might be able to do another episode or we might be able to answer those in like a blog post or something. So thank you. Yeah, thank I, you so much. I think it'd be cool if, if someone wanted me to do their own budget, that would be a, an interesting episode to yeah. How to like create one person's budget um but before we go i did kind of want to finalize like what yeah if you are is what should your financial goals be um i think that would be kind of a great way to yeah to end. yeah for sure go for it so yeah so the first goal definitely create your savings account and emergency fund um the second one is you need to be saving for retirement in some extent so if your company offers you some sort of retirement plan um at a minimum defer the maximum that they will match um, so if I contribute, for example, if I contribute 6%, that's the, the maximum that my employer will match up to a certain amount. Um, so at least do that at a minimum, um, cause the match is free money. Um, if you have student loan debt, um, I know we didn't really talk about this, uh, but student loan debts right now with COVID going on, I believe since March, um, they deferred all interest. So interest has not been charged on student loans, um, through the end of the year since March. Um, so that's been great for people who are still able to pay them off um, with their income. Um, but a quick side note, um, if your interest rates are above 3% right now, I would definitely recommend um, using a company called SoFi. Um, it's S-O-F-I, and they can consolidate all of your student loans into one student loan. Um, and you can get rates there now at about 25 to 3%. Um, so you'll keep your monthly payment um, the same for all of your loans um, and hopefully reduce it a little bit. Um, so that is something I wanted to put in there um, for student loan debt, um, especially because that can get kind of uh, kind of high on the monthly payment. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll definitely yeah. have to look into that as well. I mean, I don't have much student debt, but I feel like three <laughs> percent or two, even two point five. That that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, the next goal is definitely create a budget. Again, this isn't a this isn't a box to put you in and say you can't. You know, you can't spend more or less in certain categories, um, but you definitely need an outline of where you should be just to make sure you're saving enough, getting on track. Um, and I think sometimes it can be a slap in the face to see how much you're actually spending on things. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, 
trust me, the last few months I did not realize how much I was spending on shopping until I Yeah, that's what I'm scared to do is uh, look through my past three to six (laughs) months. Uh, It's been rough. (laughs) Uh, And then the last thing for your 20s, just get out of credit card debt and don't get back into it. Um, Just They're great to build up credit as long as you pay them off at the end of every month, but if you can't do that, then just don't own a credit card, and if you do have debt, then just pay it off as soon as you can. Um, So those are definitely... My, my my goals for your 20s. And then as far as a credit score goal, do you have one in mind for people just starting out? Um, or, you know, wait, what, what's a what's a good credit score? Yeah, so if you're just starting out, um, you know, you may be in the low 600s, mid 600s. Um, so a credit score between 650 to 700 is a good credit score. Um, if you can get to the 700 to 750 range, that's great. Um, then anything above 750 um, is awesome. Um, but again, everything that relates to a credit score is your length of credit. So how long have you had a credit? If you haven't had a credit that long, it's going to be just a little while before uh, your credit score increases. Uh, make sure you're not missing any payments um, and making sure you're just paying off your, your loans um, or your credit card at the end of every month. That is awesome. Good to know as well because, like I said, growing up, I didn't learn anything about credit. And, like, I was telling my mom about it one day. I was like, yeah, I didn't know that, you know, credit cards had interest. And she's like, you were never taught that. I didn't even think to teach you guys that. I just thought you learned that in school. I was like, I didn't even learn how to write a check in school. Like, I, I didn't know any of this. So I think it's definitely something. But hopefully, I think my dream job would be to, like, speak in high schools or – you know, do like public speaking seminars somewhere and just tell people like the absolute basics of finance. Even myself, like it's just, and it's not that people are stupid. It's just that we were never taught a lot of things growing up, not because our parents didn't want to teach us or not because, you know, any, anything bad. It's just because it wasn't prioritized for people. I think if, you know, if we can get a handle on these things in our early twenties, then we'll, be a lot more successful. Yeah, people will be a lot better off. I mean, it's even little things like I took out my first loan when I got my car and I didn't have any credit. So they just kept applying me for loans until I got approved. And I was like, why did my credit score drop so much? And then I get all these like declined pieces of mail. And I was like, oh, okay, that I probably should have looked into that a little bit more. But again, you just you never know. So definitely think um, that this is going to help a lot of people or at least just get them started on something, start a savings account start a budget, start cutting back on some things. So I think that'll be really helpful. So again, thank you. Do you have anything else to add? Um, no, I don't no? think so. Okay. Definitely let people know um, I do have a day job, but I would love to help people in my free time. Um, so if anybody has any questions, um, follow-up questions, or want to contact me, um, you can put my information um, in the box. Um, awesome. But yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Okay. No, that's perfect. Thank you. Oh my gosh, was that not the best conversation you have ever listened to regarding finance? She answered so many good questions that you guys asked through my Instagram page, and I am just so thankful for all of the knowledge that she had and everything that she was able to share with us um, in this episode. It was amazing. Now, Every episode that I create for my podcast, I do a blog post on. I do a little wrap-up of everything we talked about and just like some links and some things that we talked about. Um, So I wanted to let you guys know that I have a new website, and that website is Lex in the City. That's L-E-X-N-T-H-E. 
C-I-T-Y.com. Um, and there you will find a link to an Excel spreadsheet. It's actually a Google Sheets, I believe, that Audra has created. And it is a free budget tool that you guys can use to create your own budget. She has created little like example and sample sheets. And it is super handy, super easy to use. And if you want to use that yourself, go ahead and go to my website. Again, that's Lex in the City. And you can find all of this information there. And I will also put a link to Audra's Instagram account. And you guys can message her with any questions you have. Um, or you can reach out to me and I can kind of be the middle person and reach out to her as well. So again, just go to my website. Use that free tool that she has so kindly created for us. And again, I just want to thank you guys for listening to another episode. This was so fun to film. And I am so so thankful for Audra. So have a wonderful day. Stay safe and thank you for listening.